The following audio is from Solid Rock Community Church. More information about Solid Rock Community Church is available at www.solidrockcommunitychurch.com. And then one tradition that we've been doing now for several decades is that every Christmas, on Christmas Day, uh, Kathy puts together this amazing, amazing brunch for all of our kids and their spouses and all of our grandkids, which everybody loves. And then after we have our brunch, uh, we all gather in the living room, we'll get, get around the tree, and we'll read the Christmas story together. And then after we read the Christmas story, we all open our presents. And then I want to tell you something that all of my grandchildren hate. <clears throat> we open the gifts one at a time. And it's so interesting, you know, because we want to see what everybody, you know, uh, what everybody got. But it's so interesting to watch, especially the younger ones. Uh, you know, they're kind of like, one, two, three. I've got to wait 17 more people. You know, and so it's, it's just like, ah, it's waiting. It's so hard. Well, interestingly enough, that whole dynamic of waiting and waiting and waiting is really the dynamic that actually set up the very, very first Christmas, and here's what happened. About 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus, God made a promise to Abraham, and this was such an amazing promise, unbelievable promise, that again, if we did not know the rest of the story, if we did not know the story of Christmas, we wouldn't be able to fully appreciate this. But God makes Abraham this amazing promise that, that Abraham decides to believe. And when he did, God did this amazing thing. He granted Abraham a right standing with him. Not based on Abraham's behavior, but based on the fact that Abraham chose to believe in God. And God, in doing so, instituted this new equation by which men and women could know where they stood with God. That acceptance into God's favor is based on faith and not on behavior. And here's the promise that God gave to Abraham. Here's what he said. And this was so unbelievable at the time. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Which is really interesting because Abraham had no idea how big the earth was. The only earth that Abraham knew was the earth that he had seen or that he would see, but he knew it was big. And all the peoples on the earth... That simply meant every tribe because there weren't any nations, there weren't any countries, there were just ethnic groups, there were tribes, uh, there were gatherings, there were people who had these large and, you know, expanding and growing families. And even though Abraham did not have the scope that you and I have today, it was still a big promise that every single people group or every single ethnic group would be blessed through you. And not conquer because that's what everybody else would do. And not by you, because Abraham obviously wasn't, you know, he, he was an old man. He didn't have enough time to go around and bless everyone personally. But God said, Abraham, through you, everyone is going to be blessed. And who could believe such a thing? I mean, how in the world would that even come about? I mean, how could it be that one old man could be used by God to bless every single people group, to bless every single ethnic group, every race, and in our terms, every nation on the planet. But Abraham believed God anyway. And so over time, Abraham had a son, Isaac, and then Isaac had a son, Jacob, and then Jacob had 12 sons, and each of those sons became a family. And eventually, 
over time, each of those families became their own tribe, and they ended up in Egypt, and Moses delivered what had then become a nation. And then as time went by, eventually there was a man named Jesse who was born, who had a son named David. David became the second king of the nation of Israel. It was David who was the warrior king. It was David who defeated all of the enemies of Israel. Israel at the time was known as a military powerhouse. They were a force to be reckoned with. And then David had a son named Solomon who became the next king of Israel. And during the time of Solomon, it was called the golden age of Israel. There was peace on every side. There was untold wealth. Solomon was probably the wealthiest man in the world at the time. But he wasn't just known for his wealth. He was also known for his wisdom. And if ever there was a time for God to bless the world through a descendant of Abraham, it was now during the reign of Solomon. But Solomon came. And Solomon went, and the world was not blessed through Solomon or through the nation of Israel. After Solomon, Israel's influence in the world began to decline, and it declined, and it declined. And after a time, it seemed like the promise to Abraham was lost. And in fact, maybe it wasn't even a promise at all. Maybe this was just a story that the Israelites told their children to encourage them, told their children to give them some hope for the future. And then shortly after the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel was no longer in a position to influence, much less bless the world. But prophets would continue to rise up and speak, and they would go, no, 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 no. The promise is going to come true. The promise that God gave Abraham, that somehow the entire world was going to be blessed through the descendants of Abraham and through the nation, it will come true. In fact, one of the prophets, Isaiah, said this. He said, I will also make you a light. And this is God speaking on behalf of the nation. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles. So not just for the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles as well. That the nation of Israel would somehow be a light. That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And people would hear that prophecy and people would read that prophecy. And they'd say, but how? How can a nation like us impact the world? How can this promise made to Abraham, how will it ever be fulfilled? We have no reach. We have no influence. We have no voice. No one even takes us seriously anymore. And then at the end of the Old Testament period of time, the prophet Malachi, just at the end of the period of time that we know as the 400 years of silence, the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the final prophet says this, speaking on behalf of God, my name will be great among the nations, at which point the people, again, that knew Malachi that lived during this time, they would look at Malachi and they would go, Malachi, how is this going to happen? We've been overrun by the Babylonian Empire. We've been overrun by the Persian Empire. How is it that our God's name is going to be great among the nations? From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. And people would just sort of roll their eyes. People would sneer. It can't be. There's no way this can happen. There's no way. It's not possible for a descendant of Abraham to bless every nation on the planet. 
And so the Babylonians came in and conquered the nation of Israel. And then the Persians came in and conquered the Babylonians. And then the Greeks came and conquered the Persians. And then in 63 B.C., General Pompey took the city of Jerusalem, signifying the conquering of Israel one more time, only this time by the Romans. In fact, history tells us that General Pompey rode his horse right into the temple and desecrated the Holy of Holies. Israel had no voice. Israel had no influence. There was no possible way that the nation of Israel could be a blessing to anyone. They couldn't even bless themselves. And then, and this is so awesome, and then God moved. And he did it in such an unusual way. He did it in such an unexpected way. There was no one there to report it. There was no social media. There was no Facebook. Nobody was taking pictures and posting pictures of Mary and Joseph. No Instagram. No Twitter. No hashtag, a Savior's about to be born. None of that. Nobody there to report it. No one was expecting it. There was no one standing outside of Mary and Joseph's house saying, you're the one, this is the day, this is it, this is it. But out of nowhere, at a time that didn't even make any sense, and at a time that no one could have predicted, and in a way that no one could ever have imagined, an angel speaks to a teenage girl and says, you are going to have a son, and he's going to be in the line of David, and his kingdom... And this was said at a time when Israel really wasn't even considered a, a kingdom, at a time when Israel's king had actually been a king that had been placed there by Rome. But the angel, this kingdom that your son will have, will have no end, and you are to name him Jesus. And then the angel spoke to Joseph in a dream, and he says to Joseph, Joseph, Mary's pregnant. In fact, here's how Matthew records it. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. How amazing is that? How unusual is, is that? That in the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of all of the loss, in the midst of the time when everybody had decided that Abraham's promise was just a pipe dream, that it could never happen. And how in the world could God ever use this nation? And when everyone had given up hope, will God ever move? Will God ever do anything? When the story was all but lost, God moved. But there was just one hitch. Because the prophets not only said that the Messiah would come from the line of David, but they also prophesied that the Messiah would be born in the town of David. And there was just one problem. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. And perhaps, we don't know for sure, perhaps God sort of smiled as he whispered, as he came up with this ideal and whispered into the ear of the most powerful man on the planet, Caesar Augustus, and gave him the ideal to tax all of the people of the Roman Empire. And in order to tax all of the people of the Roman Empire, to require every single one of them to return to their birthplace to register for a census. And when he did, he becomes a footnote in the story of the birth of the Savior of the world. And in his attempt 
to raise more taxes so that he could conquer more people. He becomes a part of the story of God deciding and determining at this moment for God to bless the world. And here's the part of the story that we're all familiar with, the account of the birth of Jesus. And before I talk about that, before we go into that, I want you to listen to the words of this song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you delivered will soon deliver you mary did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Oh, Mary, did you know? about the birth of Jesus, imagine, imagine what must have been going through their mind. I mean, all kinds of things, but let me tell you something they could not have imagined was that in the very moment of the birth of Jesus, a profound, profound transition took place on planet Earth. 2,000 years, 40 pregnancies later, 
God had finally delivered to the earth from the line of Abraham the person that would be a blessing, not simply to the nation of Israel, but to the entire planet. It was the beginning of the blessing that God had promised Abraham, and it would be a blessing to the entire world. Think about this for a moment, and you already know this. Your life, your life, has been blessed because of the birth of Jesus. 2,000 plus years later, in some way, shape, or form, your life has intersected with the miracle of Bethlehem. Either because someone was compassionate toward you in Jesus' name, or you embraced a worldview that says we're to be compassionate to other people, or we're to treat other people the way we ought to be treated, which is what Jesus taught. But in some way, shape, or form, your worldview, the way you view the world, the way you believe, has been shaped by the words and the teaching and the life of the baby from Bethlehem. That what God promised Abraham absolutely came true. That every nation on the planet, and not just every nation, but every generation has been impacted. Every generation has been blessed because of the birth of Jesus. But it doesn't just stop with physical, does it? Physical blessings. Because the angel said to Mary and the angel communicated to Jesus that this baby that you're to name Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. And the extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary blessing of the birth of Jesus. The blessing that goes beyond anything that we've learned, anything that has shaped our worldview, Anything that shapes the way we see the people around us or the way that we see ourselves, the blessing that goes beyond that is the blessing that creates for you and creates for me the opportunity to have forgiveness of sin. And just like Abraham, to discover exactly where we stand with God. Because the message of the baby who grew up to be a prophet, who was later identified as the Savior, the message of the baby was simply this. That a relationship with God is not established by keeping the law. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law for you. A relationship with God is established and maintained exactly like a relationship between God and Abraham was established and maintained. It's by faith. It's by placing someone's trust in what Jesus would ultimately do on the cross as the payments not only for the sins of Israel, but for the sins of the entire world. That when God promised Abraham that through him the entire world would be blessed, he kept that promise. And every single one of us here this morning has intersected with that blessing, either directly or indirectly. But what an unusual way for this story to end. But it was the beginning of the blessing that would start from the town of Bethlehem. It would go from person to person, nation to nation, generation to generation. It was the beginning of the extraordinary blessing that had been promised so long ago. And in such an unusual way to a teenage girl in what seemed to be a simple trip as far as they could see. But there was no way they could have known what that night would bring when a transition would take place that no one would be able to anticipate. 
It was the beginning of the extraordinary blessing that would touch and change the entire world. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Here's how I want to close today. I'm going to ask my wife, Kathy, to join me on the stage. And she is going to read for us the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their hometown to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room for them available at the inn. While there, Shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this great thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary, she treasured and pondered these things in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Would you stand together with me, please? You know, it's not very often that I have my whole family here on a service like this. I'm going to ask my children and all of my grandchildren to join me on the stage. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We want to have them all come up here. I have one granddaughter that wasn't able to make it today, but have the ushers pass out the lights if they, if they would. We have some candles. Please don't turn them on until we ask you to. So, so they're, already on, they're already on? Okay. All right. 
Go ahead and pass those out, guys. So when we gather around, guys. Hey, Connor. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hi, Ailey. Hi, sweetie. Does everybody have a candle? No, we and we need some up here. So. Alex, we need some up here when you get a chance. We're going to have you dim the lights. Are you going to do that? Jamie's going to lead us in Silent Night. We're going to sing that together. When we start to sing Silent Night, just hold it up like this when we start to sing that. Appreciate that. My prayer for all of us as a church family and just all of us that we would really experience what Christmas is really about, the um, incredible peace that God offers us during this season of the year. Um, so much turmoil around us. It's great that we've been offered a peace that passes all understanding. Amen? Amen. So, Jamie, why don't you lead us in silent night?
Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to be the Savior of the world, to save us from our sins, to give us the peace that we so long for in our hearts, the joy, the hope, the comfort, the grace, all of that was provided by you when you sent your son Jesus. Not only was he born, but he grew up. He showed us what you were like. And then he died on a cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He went to be with you. And one day, he's coming back for those of us who have put our faith in him. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, as, I, as we leave today, I pray for your peace to permeate all of us. God, that your peace would just settle in on our hearts and minds and we could celebrate with joy in our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So Merry Christmas to Solid Rock and our Solid Rock family and all of our friends. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So please take some time to greet the people around you. God bless you. And again, enjoy your Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of you. Amen. Amen.